0: I'm Spike. I'm Chris, and this is we are geeking out. Uh, and this is aftermath. Actually, first of two aftermaths, we'll be recording this. Aftermath is our movie review show, so we have one where Chris is going to try to explain his bout of temporary insanity, and not only watching the new Little Mermaid remake, he actually likes it. <laughs> Why'd you but, give it away? But first,
1: so people will watch it. They have to see I the was, car wreck. I was going to build up to the point where I was just like, you know. No, no. you gave it away. When
0: you, when you have a car wreck, you market it properly. Oh. They If they don't know a car wreck is coming, now people, if we were just to do, you know, Chris is going to do a review of The Little Mermaid, and everybody's going to be like, yeah, we know that movie sucks. Chris lost his rabbit ass mind and decided it was a good movie. So, we're going to have him explain that on the next episode. But, on this episode, we are reviewing a movie we've waited five years for. Spider-Man, not that one. Spider-Man oh. Across the Spider-Verse. That is the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse. Continuation, sort of, of the Miles Morales saga. Uh, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, Chris, do no, no, you want no, no, to take, no, 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 take first no, no, no. track
1: at this? Yes. I think you should because for some reason it feels like you disliked it more than what I did. I, I, I have a different. Mr. Five O'Clock over here gets everything fives. So
0: whenever whenever he reviews a movie, it's five. Oh, 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 five, that's five, 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 five. It's Mr. Five O'Clock. Okay, now. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead. Let's get this. Let's get the... Since we do everything unorthodox anyway, we'll just go ahead and give our scores on this, on the, the rule of five. Okay. For a five being... Uh, five being with a on a date night, full, full fare, and buy the extra large popcorn and everything, and a zero being not even drunk, Chris, where would you put across the Spider-Verse? I'll give it a four. Okay. So you get... Notice he didn't give it a five because I called him Mr. Five O'Clock, so now he feels obligated to give it a four. Because I actually give this movie a four. So we're actually evening out at four. And yet you are just not convinced so I hated this movie.
1: No, you just you just was like, eh, yeah, eh. Yeah. So I just assumed. So that when you just- assume because when you presume, have you make a press
0: before, out of you like and man. me. I'm actually impressed, but... When you presume, you make a press out of you and me. Okay, so. okay. that's explained. I'm okay. not even going to go into the plot here. It is so convoluted. It is so out of whack. And there are so many supporting characters here, it makes my head hurt. This is... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is... Phil Lord and Jim Miller, I think, these are the guys who have been doing, have been actually turning in some pretty decent scripts here. I do believe, aren't these the guys in, responsible for the Lego Movie? Or am I thinking of the wrong guys? I think so they are. Okay. These two guys with this movie have officially become people I look for. Okay. Spielberg was that way for me for. Years and years and years. If I saw Spielberg was doing something, I was instantly interested. Christopher Nolan. You're more into Christopher Nolan than I am. But uh, for me, it would be anything with, honestly, Michael Keaton. I would pay attention to anything with Jack Nicholson. I would pay attention to anything with Harrison Ford. I'll pay attention to. Steven Spielberg used to be like that, but I've kind of he's kind of driven into the ditch a little bit. Anything with Kathleen Kennedy, who used to be his partner in crime, I used to give her the benefit of the doubt. She burned me on that one. But anything by Lord Miller, I'm going to be right there checking it out at least to see if it's an interesting concept because this is now their second movie, second of these Spider-Man movies they've written. And spoiler alert, this is the first of a two-part sequel to Into the Spider-Verse. Part two is part one of part two. And so part three will be part two of part two. Does that make any sense? There's another one coming next year called Beyond the Spider-Verse. I, quite frankly, I find it a violation of my religious conscience when I have to sit... For two hours and 20 minutes. It's 140 minutes long, this movie. I've sipped two hours and 20 minutes just to get the hook for the next movie. uh uh-uh. This ain't Raiders of the Lost Art, pal. This ain't a, a, a Saturday Morning Republic serial, okay? Uh-uh. You better give me some closure on this one and then give me a reason to come back for three. Okay? Just like you did with the first one. You impressed the heck out of everybody. Okay, Miles Morales, this is the reason Chris thinks I hated this movie, there is a scene and it goes on for about three years where they are up on the roof celebrating Miles' father becoming a police captain, okay, he was a lieutenant, now he's been promoted to captain. I actually forgot about this, they bring this up later in the movie. We'll get to that in a second. It like I said, this scene takes three years to go through and it's almost like it's it's almost like a record with a scratch, because they keep rehashing the same territory over and over. It's the same line, it's the same situation, it's the same people over and over and over and over and over. And over. Move on. This was like I said, this is a two-hour, twenty-minute movie. You could have saved a good 10 minutes just by whopping most of that off. And so instead of sitting here and and dealing with all the the people in, in Miles's life, or the life of Miles's father, or Miles's mother, and whatever else, instead of dealing with everybody on top of this rooftop, if we just spent 30 seconds showing that he's there for, that dad is there for his promotion party, Miles is not there. Miles is trying to run across town with this big, long cake. And instead, like I said, instead of 10 minutes, we had spent 30 seconds. And then spent another 30 seconds with the aftermath of Miles coming in with this wreck of a cake. Way too late for the party. It's little touches like that. This is technically character development. Okay, this is technically character development. We are getting to see the background of Miles's father. And I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. I don't know why. I know his mom's name is Rio. Yeah. This one's crushing on Rio, by the way.
1: It's beautiful. I know it's a cartoon, but
0: <laughs> oh, anyway, I told him yesterday she did have birth hips, so I can understand. <laughs> like Chris is officially turned old. He's he's painting after the, he's painting after the forty year olds instead of the twenty year olds in an animated cartoon. So moving on. <laughs> so we get a bunch, and I mean a bunch, and I mean a bunch of backstory on Miles and his parents and their relationship, and he's getting re- He wants to go to Princeton. He's got all this other stuff. And then, so that's the first hour of the movie. 30 minutes of it is Miles not showing up on time. The other 30 minutes is of Gwen not talking to her father, right? Her father is Gwen Stacy. He's a captain in another universe. She is the spider woman of this universe. Her dad doesn't know she's spider woman until Peter Parker dies, turning himself into the lizard, Watch the movie, it makes sense. Finally, he finds out who she is, and she says, Dad, my he was my best friend. He's dead now. And he's like, I'm still arresting you for his murder. Pa- parent of the year right there, Dad. <laughs> parent of the year right there. Remember, Father's Day is only two weeks, two weeks away. Anyway. So that's the first hour of this movie, and then things finally pick up. I'm not going to get too further into the plot. Like I said, I don't want to get dragged down by that. The, after you get past that slog of the first hour and all the all the angst and all the mm, rigmarole and all the falderal and all the shenanigans between Gwen and Miles in the first hour, about the one hour mark, suddenly things pick up and, holy smokes, we have a plot. A plot breaks out in the middle of the schmaltz. And right. mm, a hole. Yes, the whole. The most idiotically named spider character of all time is named Spot. Spot is a guy in a white, basically a white suit with black spots on. That's what he's been in the comic books. He's he's been revamped here by linking to the original movie each one of these spots that Spot has on he can now pull off of his chest, throw onto things, kind of like Letterman back in the electric company. But he can throw holes on things and reach through and get to other things, which results in a hilariously large number of visual uh, slapstick. Once you get past that first hour, when Miles first confronts a Spot, and I'm still think I can still imagine the, the slice, the loaf of bread one slice at a time falling out of the hole of his chest. Which sounds idiotic until you see it. It is hilarious. But the, uh... But anyway, it turns out Spot can open holes to other universes. And as a result, apparently there is a coalition of super spideys that come in and fix uh, time... Errors. So, that's, that's the reason why we have the conflict. Every Spider-Man on, in freaking existence gets together and tries to shut down Spider-Mans that don't fit the the narrative, the what they call the canon. They actually call it the canon, C-A-N-O-N. If you're not following the storyline, the Spider-Men, the multiverse of Spider-Men are just utterly convinced. You're not really Spider-Man until you're bit by a spider. You're not really Spider-Man unless you're bit by a spider from your dimension. You're not really a, you're not really Spider-Man until you let somebody die. And you're not really a Spider-Man until you just become an absolute lousy date. Okay. It took Peter. Remember, it took Peter Parker the better part of two and a half decades to finally convince Mary Jane to stick around with him for more than two issues at a time. That didn't last long so this it sounds like I'm ragging on the movie remember I gave it 4 out of 5 here's the reason why I said the first one looked like a motion painting it really shows you what CGI is capable of every major character in this movie has an art style Mm -hmm. especially when you get to Spider Punk who is the UK Spider-Man UK he comes complete with the little punk uh, little punk hairdo, punk outfit and he carries a guitar with him and everything. Everybody has their own art style. They are showing exactly what, what I've talked about not too long ago, using CGI as an art tool, not just as an excuse to render in 3D. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. They simply use Vector Man or Render Man or whichever man program they're using to render the 3D modeling and then just like like puppets just carry them through on the street. Spider-Verse movies are taking an entirely different tack. Like I said each major character has their own art style. The art styles shift whenever you have an emotional scene and the art shift helps support the emotional power that you're getting through it so when spider Gwen has her falling out with her father all of a sudden, you see little spots of paint everywhere. The edges that that usually define her character suddenly start have start to have lines coming out from it, jagged lines. Same thing with her father; he has jagged lines from the, the art's not clean anymore. They're getting a point. They're getting across the point that this, this is an emotionally charged scene, and the art is actually supporting it. A fantastic reference, if. Every animation school in America, I'm telling you, by the time the third one comes out next year, this trilogy will be a self-contained art class for every animator on the planet. It should be mandatory watching. And you do the first movie; you really had to watch more than once so you start catching all the little references. Ninja, this one you're going to have to sit here with, with like a Blu-ray with a a hair trigger, and you're just going to have to advance. Fraction of a second, but frame by frame, because there's just so many references. When you get the scene, there's a scene where all the Spider-Men are chasing after Miles. You're seeing, they are introducing each one the first time they appear on screen with a blue box that looks like it came out of a comic book, that says who the Spider-Man is and where he came from and at one, one point there, you have somewhere around 40 or 50 of these on screen at once. But it happens so fast because Miles runs past them all and so you see them all just show up and the blue boxes go by with characters. You'll, you'll have to go back and see that frame by frame, be able to catch all the references and see how many you recognize because every single one of them had a spot somewhere, not that spot, a spot somewhere in the original comic book. Every one of these guys started in the comic book. There is even a reference to the 1967 Spider-Man series where he tries to stop Miles but because he's only rendered in 2D he can't catch him. Miles just runs behind him and he's like... (laughs) All kinds of wonderful end jokes like I said, the character development is great, but there has to be a limit, okay? The other thing about storytelling, show, don't tell, okay? Okay, you're setting up the scene, you explain the scene, you explain everybody's relationship in it through dialogue, okay? Or through developments throughout the movie. Okay, fine. You have your dialogue, you're done. You go the emotionally devastating thing has happened the pathos is setting in oh my heart i'm coming elizabeth the the final the final thing you should be doing is you should be showing the reaction shots of each character especially since you've demonstrated you know how to manipulate art styles to help convey emotion you should be showing the aftermath of each of these interactions instead of spending another 30 seconds going back over what we've just said out loud. You're saying it out loud. Uh, Miles, why did you lie to me? I'm sorry I lied to you, Mom. Okay, but why would you lie to me? Well, I couldn't exactly tell you three. Uh, Okay, why did you lie to me? Ah. Okay, just, it wasn't necessary and it padded the film. That was the only real complaint I have about this film. One more thing, real quick, before we go. There are an occasional woke message here and there. Okay. This movie got into trouble a couple, about a month or so ago, because there's a protect trans kids poster on Gwen's wall. It, you'll only see it if you look for it. Okay. There's some. There's actually a button somewhere that says hashtag #BLM. Even BLM doesn't care about BLM. Some idiot on the art team just had to sneak these little things in. There was one part, and I can't remember. No, this is a different one. But these are just isolated little spots. Okay? They don't detract from the main film. To be honest, this is probably diversity where it works. Because there's like one straight white guy in the entire film. It's Peter Parker. And he is so goony over his daughter, May there's nicknamed Mayday, he is so goony over his daughter that he is a comp- pretty much a non-entity in the, in the movie, even though he keeps flogging along. Uh, Spider-Cat, on the other hand, is absolutely worth the price of admission. Instead of hairballs, it spits web But Anyway, the movie, absolutely worth the effort. I can't give it a five because of that wasted time. If you had gotten it back in under two hours, because by the time we get to the end of the movie, I'm waiting for it to end. This is not what happened at the first movie. This one, I'm waiting for it to end. They're setting up one cliffhanger after another, and I'm like, will you end it? End it. End it. it." Okay, I get it. We're going to continue in the third movie. Can we end it? And it goes on for another ten minutes. Ugh. Too, just a little too long. Spending a little, making a little too much effort setting up the third movie. I understand the studio, This is what the studio wants. Will I go see the third movie? Absolutely, I'm gonna go see the third movie just so I can get more of this fantastic thing. Like I said, this is a point where I've made this point repeatedly on this show. Race flipping doesn't work. But Miles Morales is not Peter Parker. He's not a half-black, half-Latino Peter Parker, okay? There are plenty of race-flip Peter Parkers in this film, but they all stand out on their own merit so much that you don't make the connection. Miles Morales, honestly, I like this Miles Morales from Spider-Verse far, far more than the one in the comic books or on the TV shows or anywhere else. This is the best iteration he's done. Again, character development. This is where he belongs. So, with all of the diversity and all this other stuff, don't go telling me that I'm racist for not wanting to see The Little Mermaid. This movie has, I I believe, is currently tracking for a $130 million opening weekend, last I heard. While Little Mermaid underperformed a little bit, the, the remake... Spider, across the Spider-Verse has overperformed quite a bit because the last number I saw experts were had it tracking somewhere around the $105 million range. Over the, over a three-day weekend. Little Mermaid had a four-day weekend. This one only had three. But it's, it's hitting above its weight. And this one honestly looks like it has a chance to have legs. Because again, it's one of those movies. You've got to see it more than once just to catch all the references. You may want to go... You may want to... Not want to show up precisely on time to, to sit through the first hour slog, but it's a good time to go pick up the popcorn and the soda and stuff. So, so that's well worth the effort, not worth full price. Chris, what do you think? You said
1: full So, I surprisingly agree with everything he just said. Um, the only reason why I did not give it a five is because, yes, it was a tad bit too long when they could have cut it down on a couple of things. I'm going to make one quick point. Unless
0: you are telling a really grandiose story, no movie, no animated movie needs to go over two hours. I would honestly say keep your animated movies down to 90 minutes. Because every foot, I know it costs less than it used to with CGI. But oh my goodness, there is no animated movie that really needs to go more than 90 to 100 minutes. And most live action movies should not be going that far over two hours. Unless you're telling the story of
1: Ben-Hur or the Bible or something like that. I'm sorry, back to you. Yeah, I mean, it was a a little bit too long because there was a whole lot of talk in this movie. But with that being said well, that also goes into some of the good parts that I will have to say I enjoy because the the things I love a good character development okay I love a good character development and one of the things that like it's like we got blue beetle coming out and stuff like that I really wish that they will focus also on what the family is like, like they did in this. This, this is, I, I want to get to know the character. And I've, I've done that with Miles Morales. I've done that with Gwen, I've done that with Miles's family. I, I, I got that. And I love it because that makes me love the character a whole lot more. It's like you get to see this character grow in more of a realistic way instead of just like, oh, I'm a superhero now. Let me go save the day. Like pretty much all of these other superhero movies ever did. Spider-Man has
0: always been the one where Peter Parker pays a price whenever he has to go out and save the day.
1: Whenever any of the spider man do. Uh, but, but here's the thing. like Even with Peter Parker... I could never relate to Peter Parker. So they'll show him struggle by trying to pay rent, his job, and trying to save people. It just didn't seem realistic to me. But with Miles Morales, it actually seems a whole lot more realistic. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird how you got same thing, but told more well, and it's more believable. So you actually relate to Miles and his struggles and his family and and this whole you know world that they have. There's a moment in the movie that I just like. I really, really, totally respect, and I want to see more of Spider-Man. Like it literally changed my mind on how I look at Spider-Man. Like I really never cared about Spider-Man. I've I've watched all the movies. I've seen the shows and stuff like that, but I really never cared This movie made me care a whole lot more about spider-man now There's a scene in the movie where you got Gwen and and uh, Miles just realized like oh, he's being told all these things like he was a mistake this shouldn't have happened and all of this like Really putting him down spoiler alert, and do you know what he did? He told them all off and says, I'm doing this. I don't care what you all say. Even though the world is totally against him, he's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing it my way. Even told Gwen this. And and they all have this look on their face like, oh, okay. I'm actually respecting this. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, that's the thing.
0: Peter, not even Peter Parker, Spider Man is an outsider. Yeah. Spider-Man's not really designed to really do the team-up thing, okay? They did, uh, they did years and years of issues of a comic where Spider-Man teams up with one superhero or another. It always seemed forced. It always seemed contrite. Yeah. Spider-Man's a loner. So his, the fact that he's interacting with other people, there's going to be some awkwardness there. Peter Parker, for his generation, generation of the 60s and 70s, and I'd say even the 80s, for those generations, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. For kids who grew up in the 90s, in the 2000s, Miles Morales was Spider-Man. Because he related more, because he was younger and he was written as more of of, of a, he's grounded in more modern terms than Peter Parker is. Peter Parker works for a newspaper. How many newspapers are left? Yeah, I mean you can you can go ahead and say it. So the Daily Bugle is a website now, but why Daily Bugle? I just <laughs> call it the Bugle. Well, it's it's one of those things, and because Miles is younger, he doesn't have to worry about the job. He doesn't have to worry about the family. He doesn't have to worry about the baggage that Peter Parker comes with. Yeah, this
1: is why he's more relatable to younguns like this one over here. Well, I mean it's not just that. It's just. <clears throat> it's it's like i'm getting more detail on who he actually is as a human being along with others that in his world and i really admire that because it's 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 one of those things where it's like you know when he gets to that point where he's being told all these things and he's like i'm doing it my way you see the look on Gwen, you see the look on peter and their faces are like you shouldn't do this but honestly you go, you know, you you go. We're we're proud of you. Maybe we're wrong and you're right, but like even after, it's just the fact that Miles literally made that decision of telling the people that he truly cared about. Like I'm doing this with or without you, I'm doing this is a big leap because he did that in the first one where he was tied to the chair and he was told you know all that and then that whole growth that he had and now here he is where he's just like he hasn't seen these people in like what a year was it a year and a half or something like that that? and he's finally seeing them again and he's like cherishing every moment and then he's being told all this stuff and they're on the opposite side of him and he's just like I mean okay I guess I know where I stand and I guess I'm going to make this stand on my own and he does it I mean he yeah, he takes a breath and goes and sees his family and is like, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. But you know, this is this is a big thing. I admire that. So with this movie just like I, I understand that this is like the emotional movie and the next movie will probably be more of the action that everybody wants. This movie is like the growth for the audience and I admire that so that is a big deal for me Hmm. now number two another thing that sold me oh the art the visual art like you said like how they did this the the painting the way like there's a scene where Gwen and, and her dad's having this and then the the background starts to change the paint on the wall and it's just the feeling of it some of the characters like you said it's just magnificent there is two scenes in this movie that will always that are now like my two favorite scenes in any movie ever made the scene where spot is robbing a grocery store the humor in that the characters, and I'm talking about Spot, I'm talking about Miles Morales, and even the clerk, the grocery clerk, their interactions, like that whole atmosphere was mwah, brilliant. I love it. I really dug it. That whole thing. And then there's this more of an emotional scene between Miles and Gwen and they're on top of the—I uh, forgot what building it's called—but mm-hmm. she's like sitting at the bottom, upside down, and he's up here. And that—that that whole scene, I was like, "That is like well done." That whole thing deserves a, an Academy Award for Best Picture. <laughs> like that—that that whole scene was that's, just like, "Wow." That's what storytelling gets
0: you. Storytelling doesn't require dialogue. You can tell a story through gestures you can tell the story through sounds through yeah. art styles there's all ways, all kinds of ways to tell a story and this is why I said this gets back to Lord Miller if I see these guys attached to a project I'm, I'm, going, oh, to, yeah. I'm going to consider oh, yeah. it I'm at least going to consider it I'm going to be curious to see yeah. what they're doing because they have proved to me this is what their fifth project together I think at least Not five fun. because they did Lego movie Batman Lego Batman they did another one and then they did uh first one here and then the second one that will be doing the third one these guys are proven they're good storytellers and I yeah. find that appealing and they went a little overboard with the di- they went a little dialogue heavy on this one but hey everybody yeah. everybody has their Darwin
1: stick and and the thing is is that I know that they're doing more they're going to be doing spin-offs from this movie and all I got to say is I am hooked I want to see everything that you guys have I want more. Give me more. Feed me more because you're doing it right. You're doing it really good. And apparently, the, there's a Lego Batman scene in mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, it was, apparently a, it was, it was a, like actually Spider-Man done Spider-Man
0: by scene. a kid. Yeah. That whole <laughs>
1: scene was actually done by a child.
0: Apparently, Which is exactly. it's like
1: it. And it's a callback to the Lord and So it's it's so great. Batman. So with with the the art, the story, everything, like it's it's i mean it's so hard not to give it a five because it is literally in my eyes as a film lover nearly a perfect movie but yes some of the dialogue even though the dialogue is great it did kind of go a little bit more it it dragged more Mm -hmm. but
0: so final Let's go ahead and wrap this. up. I will say one more thing before we wrap. Okay, before we wrap this up, they played the trailers before the movie, and one of them was, as you said, for Blue Beetle. I said this to you in the theater. I'm gonna say it to you now. There is nothing. I got hope. There is nothing. Hold on. Not about, not about Blue Beetle. Not about the project. Not about. That. There is nothing. And I mean nothing. I mean not even fluffy kittens playing in a field of snow. Not even chocolate nougat on a on caramel and peanuts. There is absolutely nothing so perfect that George Lopez cannot effing ruin in three seconds. <laughs> because they just had. They did the they just had to include the little part where George Lopez gets in his dig saying that Batman is a fascist and you came DC this close and I mean as in Batman taking on an underworld gang fully armed this close to make me give up on that film because that one stupid throwaway garbage line And because you, well, the fact that you put George Lopez into this because he's a Hispanic male and Jaime Reyes, the Blue Beetle, is Hispanic, so you require pretty much contractually under federal law, I guess, to include George Lopez if it's a Hispanic film. uh, (sighs) Put George Lopez on a short damn leash and tell him to shut up and stay out of the limelight before he chases anybody
1: else off. That's what I'm going to say about I exactly. just think they should have at least, like, beat up whoever makeup up thought It was a good idea to give him a a long beard or whatever that is that is growing on his face. Oh, like, I he, don't know what that.
0: you. he's gotten so little work over the past couple of years that's uh, probably that's probably an honest beard. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's going to take care of our uh, across the Spider Verse review. Definitely waiting for Beyond the Spider Verse. Four out of four for both of us. Honestly, we would go higher if he had just been a little less exposition. But still, go see it. It is definitely worth it. Coming up shortly, our other aftermath episode for this week, where this one tries to explain why you should see the Little Mermaid remake. (laughs) (laughs) And I gotta work with this thing. So, till
1: next time, Spike, Chris, and we all keep on geeking out. We'll see you next time.